0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at MyFirstSketch.com. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. And it'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts We're continuing our way towards Toronto Sketchfest, happening March 8th through the 19th, torontosketchfest.com. There's just about 70 acts performing over those two weeks. Today's guest is Emily Milling, currently a member of Big Chick Energy based in Toronto. Big Chick Energy will be performing two shows at Toronto Sketchfest, first on Thursday, March 9th, with Chelsea Larkin at 8 p.m and Friday, March 10th with Acuna Acuna at 7 p.m. Both of those shows are at the BMO Incubator at Theater Center. For tickets and more information, go to torontosketchfest.com. Emily's first sketch is called Baby Shower. Emily reads the roles of Jen and Jen's uterus. I read the roles of all the other people at the party. The two major ones are Barb and Ashley. Ashley is the expectant mother at the baby shower. So let's go to the sketch. Interior day, baby shower. Jen walks over to the food table and another woman, Barb, approaches her. Gotta love baby shower food, eh?
1: why is it all shaped like babies
0: just wait until they cut the cake that's a
1: real trip uh actually i think i might head out soon this isn't really my scene i don't know much about babies or kids i'm just here because i feel like i should support ashley
0: you don't want kids
1: i really haven't thought about it much until now i don't know
0: first you do want kids second just listen to your uterus it'll guide you jen looks confused Go on Ask it a question.
1: Uh, hi, uterus. How are you today? Oh, hi, Jen. Thanks for asking. I'm okay. Just getting ready for your menstruation again. Did you remember to bring tampons? You're wearing those fancy panties today, and I'd hate for them to get ruined. Then again, it's all like you're showing them off to anyone lately. (laughs) I, (laughs) What?
0: Barb waves Ashley over. Ashley, come here. She's talking to her uterus for the first time. Get out. First time? Gosh. I haven't talked to my uterus since I was a kid. Now look at us. Ashley's rubbing her belly. We're creating a little angel. She thinks she doesn't want kids, so I told her, ask your uterus. Oh, she wants kids. I can tell. Luna enters. Who doesn't want kids? Ladies making babies the three women high-five
1: uh, well hey I still haven't made up my mind yet
0: <laughs> ask your uterus then ask if it wants to make a baby for you the three women wait in anticipation
1: uh <laughs> um hi again uterus uh, um do you want to m- maybe one day make a baby for me well, Jenna, I'm glad you brought this up. I've been thinking it's going to take you too long to find someone who could deal with all your aimless career aspirations and weird obsession with the hamster dance, and I feel like it might be best if we part ways now. What
0: is her uterus breaking up with her? That happened. Is that a thing? Jen suddenly doubles over in pain.
1: Oh shit! Where are my tampons? Don't worry about that, Jen. You won't be needing those anymore.
0: Jen doubles over in pain again, and when she stands up, shakes something out of her pant leg. Oh, look! Her uterus escaped! Come here, little guy. The three women start beckoning the uterus over towards them. Jen looks shocked. We'll take care of you. We'll help you make lots of babies. We'll make sure you do the thing you were put on this planet to do. Hey! The women look up at Jen.
1: Until today, I was happily debating this issue with myself, in my brain. You know, the organ primarily used for making big life decisions, not for incubating zygotes.
0: Jen starts walking towards the women and her uterus.
1: Frankly, I don't think it's any of your business if I have a clue whether I want babies or not.
0: Now hang on there, Jen. We both know you want babies. I've been carrying this little fella for months now, and despite the awful mood swings, back pain, and insatiable thirst for blood, I'm already so in love with him. My boys love to fart. It's so funny. Sometimes they shart, and that's not so nice, because I have to clean it up and...
1: just because you've already made up your minds doesn't mean that I've made up mine. Now, if you'll kindly hand me my uterus.
0: Barb slowly extends her hands.
1: All Jen, are you sure this is what you want? I'm giving you an out right here, right now. No more period cramps. No more pregnancy scares. You could just be free, Jen.
0: Jen pauses?
1: Hmm. On second thought, I can always adopt.
0: Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny?
1: Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by
0: listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketch nerds.
1: My name is Samantha Russell. I'm a sketch comedian, and I have a prop and costume hoarding problem. So I figured the best way to get it under control is to start a podcast. On Should I Keep This, I chat with other comedians about their experiences in comedy and our insane prop and costume collections. And on each episode, we both bring a beloved item to discuss whether it's a treasure or just trash. Sometimes it turns out no matter how much money or time we spent on a prop, the only thing we should be holding on to are the memories we've made along the way. So check out Should I Keep This. We have new episodes every two weeks, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, Emily well hello how are you
0: all right tell me about the sketch tell me about jen and her uterus
1: oh gosh okay so this actually started like as a, a short film i was gonna make with my friend april at Mansky as a jillion years ago Zajillion is a new word um and it was this like really creepy short film Uh, It was going to have all of these nasty visual effects and it was all I don't know if you've ever seen a baby shower like pinterest board but all the food does look like babies, so we were like, how can we like expand (laughs) that. Um, And then I took the idea and turned it into a sketch for a sketch writing class at second city here in Toronto. Um, (laughs) And. I don't know why but this is the the thing that stands out to me the most is after we were done reading there was one gentleman in the class who looked me dead in the eye and said is that like a thing do women really talk to the to their uteruses (laughs) and i was like yeah yeah we do sir i guess i don't know like what a bizarre question to ask um and that is truly all i can remember about this sketch it's like it's such Just a wild the, catch
0: the random dude yeah wait this is a thing
1: yeah like, like i what what <laughs> <laughs> we're in a comedy class man
0: <laughs> so has this ever been performed live
1: it hasn't and now that i'm reading it again i'm like oh i really think we should do it it would be great
0: yeah like i i think it's fun like i'm picturing like shaking the pant leg and like you know deflate a balloon yeah comes out or something yeah because i think that roughly could be visual enough and like the right approximate size
1: totally i have like, no idea how big a uterus is me neither I but i know. think a,
0: a decent size like to a balloon would
1: i think fit it visually more. fill it with yeah. a pillow or something
0: <laughs> um how did it go when you read it in the class other than that one dude being confused and scared that this talk or uteri I, I yeah,
1: uteri <laughs> i feel like um like this was so early on in my sketch career that i was just i was terrified to have anyone read anything but then i was also at the same time i was like oh, i'm gonna be so good at this like everyone's gonna be like how do i be like emily like you know when you're really full of yourself and oh you start with this stuff
0: <laughs> absolutely i i was 100 percent yeah. In my first writing class, I thought like I would be, you know, the king of the world. And nope. Didn't know what I was doing.
1: Yeah, it really it brings you back down to earth, which is nice. Yes. It's like it's like oh, okay, I do have lots of room to grow here, which is always a beautiful thing and to learn. Um I, yeah, I guess I was feeling kind of like like just I really wanted the approval of my teacher at the time. Cause she was on the main stage at second city. And I was like, I really want to impress her. She was impossible to impress. So <laughs> that, you know, really didn't go that far. Um, but I feel like, you know, I feel like reading this back, I should have been way more proud of it than I was in the moment because it, like for a first time sketch writer, it's not terrible. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's not terrible you had mentioned that this had this idea kind of started as a possible short film Mm -hmm. was it written as a short film and then you adapted it yeah as a more like So what kind of changes did you have to make
1: so yeah the short film was much more serious um and it was sort of more designed to be a really visual kind of a piece um there was not a lot of talking. It was just, it was more like, it. this is a woman experiencing weird images in her head of grotesque looking baby growth things um all around her and i'm trying to remember exactly how we wrote it but it was more like it was about friendship it was about being able to support your friend through her pregnancy when you maybe don't know if you want to have kids um which is something that like my friend april and i were going through a lot back then Uh, all of her her cousins and sisters and all of them they were all having babies and she's like i don't know if i want that Mm -hmm. and i also didn't know if i wanted kids at the time um, but it was just like this constant barrage of baby stuff. So the, the short film really explored that a lot more, Um, uh, well, the script for it did. So, so adapting it into this sketch was just more like, how can I make it. Visually gross the way I want it to be, but make it stageable. So thus we have a talking uterus. The, the uterus did not talk in, in the original short film. I don't think. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it was just like the the idea of this woman talking to her uterus, not necessarily the uterus answering back in the short, in the film script Yeah,
1: part. yeah. I feel like I, I took a lot of liberties with the talking to the uterus in the sketch. Like it re- is quite a, um, quite a, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a D. I can't remember. It's like, I'm going to say different because that word starts with <laughs> it's quite a different like it's 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 so separate like they they sort of started with the same kernel of an idea but like turned into completely different things so yeah yeah
0: uh and the short film was never produced like you never got to the camera part of it okay alas Uh, i mean okay so you mentioned the short film so let's start you know all the way back let's go to what were you into growing up what made you laugh like what was your comedy world as a kid
1: Jim Carrey, a lot of Jim Carrey. Um, every, OK, there's just mm, when you ask that question, it's just too many things that pop into my head. And I was trying to think about this before we recorded, like, wh- what are all my inspirations? What did I what did I immerse myself in? But I mean, to be honest with you, um, I have I have ADHD, so I like hyperfixate on things. And I've really hyperfixated on Jim Carrey for a lot of my childhood. Um, and then my, my family kind of introduced me to SCTV earlier on, um, because I guess they thought it was a little bit more suitable for young kids than SNL at the time. Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I guess SNL was on really, really late and I mean, I was quite young. So having, having me stay awake that late was probably not a great idea, but like SCTV I think was on like during regular hours before bedtime
0: so sctv was still re-ran in canada like oh
1: yeah for yeah. decades
0: and decades after
1: Totally oh, yes all the time like, okay yeah it's an institution here so
0: <laughs> because like sctv i i wish i had seen more of mm-hmm. uh a couple questions ago i had asked for like the SCT, sctv dvd box sets and I got the first season, and I was really bummed to learn that that wasn't the actual, like, first season of, like, the Canadian version. Like, mm. these DVD box sets started with, like, when it started getting imported to America.
1: Really? And
0: I felt, like, so, like, such a bait and switch. I was like, no. there's no John Candy, Harold Ramis, like, that those original crew. Yeah. I was like, oh. I
1: know. Yeah. This is
0: so expensive that's not the not the one i want
1: i know i know i my fiance found all of those at value village for like a buck so which is a wild price to pay for those um but yeah that i mean so a lot of i i just remember like kind of sitting on the couch with my eyes sort of half closed, just staring, watching SCTV when I was a kid, um, wanting to stay up and understand what the hell they were talking about. Cause like, as a kid, I just, I was like, I don't know these, they're acting like funny, silly people. I enjoy that. And like, um, like my first like pure, clear memory of knowing and understanding comedy was at the end, not the end of Dumb and Dumber, at the beginning of Dumb and Dumber, when he runs off the end of the, um, the airplane thingamajiggy, like the gate thing. Mm. And then he lands flat on his back and makes a sound for like half an hour. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, I was laughing until like three scenes later cause I was like, this, this is everything I want in my life. All I need to do is be funny like that. And I was like, my life has changed forever. So like, yeah, that was, that was the, as far back as I can remember the first sort of seed of comedy for me.
0: Funny cause uh. My memory of dumb and dumber is very much uh the first time i watched it it was at a friend's house for a, like a sleepover and his parents were like my his dad was a pastor so we actually had to like earmuffs during certain parts of the movie so like <laughs> they like his mom and dad were sitting behind us and we were on the floor and while just like all right earmuffs so we had to completely like cover up and like oh, man get the, the okay like two minutes later so I don't think it was for, like, another five years I'd ever seen Dumb and Dumber in full. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, there's a lot to earmuff. It's not appropriate for children.
0: No, and I was probably, like, 12 or 13.
1: Well, I mean, that's probably fine then.
0: Yeah, but I still had earmuffs up.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) It's so funny. And I mean, you know, parts of it don't hold up, but so much of it does, especially the diarrhea scene.
0: That was one of the parts that we had earmuffs. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Why? <laughs> God, uh, uh, so funny
0: i just remember like being like oh this is taking forever like <laughs> is it still happening <laughs>
1: uh, yeah it was still happening for a really long time Ugh. Ugh.
0: So was, like jim carrey was like your first like oh my gosh this is actually a thing like comedy yeah. is a thing
1: yeah yeah and i sought out like literally everything i could about him so like um I found out that he did In Living Color and um, and that finally showed up on the airwaves in Canada. I must have been like 10 years old, maybe. and he did, I can't remember the name of the character, because I'm really not great with character names, but the one where I think he's either like a constable or a fire chief or something. Fire Marshal Bill. Yes. Okay. So he sticks his hand in a meat grinder and like, and then pulls it back out and his hand is like ground beef. Um, yeah. And I was like, I'll never see Jim Carrey the same way again. And I had nightmares. <laughs> like. Oh, it was horrifying. Um, but it, (laughs) I don't understand why I had to watch it so badly, but I, yeah, it was, he was, he was like everything to me. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, it was just like, he had this, this light about him in his, in those earlier days when he was like riding the hot streak of these big animated characters. And I mean, of course, that's going to appeal to kids because kids love big animated characters. Um, And then, you know, as he kind of progressed into the majestic and stuff, and I was like, Okay, that's an interesting choice. I was gonna
0: ask, like, how did you feel when he went into the, the drama period?
1: Yeah, I I didn't love The Majestic, but I liked it because he was in it and I was such a diehard about it. Um but I really I loved Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because yeah. by that point I was like a sappy teenager and couldn't get enough of that kind of stuff. Um and who doesn't love Michel Gondry? Like he's a fantastic director. Um and a huge influence on me as well for directing, but uh yeah, it was like it was like this like friend that i had for so long is suddenly like growing up and evolving but it it was kind of neat in a way because i was also growing up and evolving as you naturally do you know in in your youth so i don't know yeah it was kind of a weird progression and then you know learning that he had all of these other things going on mentally later i was like I kind of wish i had known about that sooner because because then maybe it would have normalized some of the things i was feeling um and maybe it would have made more sense like why he made different career choices and i mean you know as a kid you can't really rationalize that stuff at at least for me you know it's just like why isn't he being funny stupid man now
0: (laughs) yeah like and i just remember you know the later days of jim camp and i'm saying that as if he's already dead (laughs) <laughs> um, like I just remember like following him on Twitter, and like three days later, I was like, I can't handle this. This is too much. Yeah. He's tweeting too often, too weird. Like, yeah. sorry, dude, you're like my first unfollow <laughs> in in those like early days of Twitter. But yeah. but yeah, that that's. I mean, for me, I don't know if it's completely like if he did one, two, three, but that that Truman Show, Man on the Moon, Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. I'll put those three movies and I don't know they're order. I don't know if there's anything in between. I, I can't remember top of my head. I'll put those three movies up with anyone else's. I mean, Truman Show is fantastic. Eternal Sunshine is was like life changing because I was like 18 when that came out and same thing. I was, you know, savvy teenage. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah.
0: Everything.
1: <laughs> and I want forget and, it all.
0: <laughs> and Andy Kaufman, like Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman was just so fun
1: it was yeah it was wild even
0: I, I still haven't watched that documentary about him you know being full method
1: during oh, yeah. that but I watched it it looks like a nightmare
0: <laughs> yeah oh. so maybe I'll just stick to the movie yeah and keep the, the good memory there <laughs> yeah I ask everybody and you know I know you're Canadian so maybe you're not as well influenced on this as you know Americans would be but Sarah Live Uh, I mean, you mentioned, you know, watching SCTV all all the time Mm
1: -hmm.
0: as a replacement for SNL. But I always ask, do you have a favorite SNL cast member?
1: Well, first of all, SNL is right up there with SCTV. It's, I mean...
0: Now, when you were finally allowed to watch it, yeah.
1: Yes. And when I wasn't allowed to watch it, um, my favorites were Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, and I'm going to say Molly Shannon is like the number one of all time because, so Superstar came out when I was like, I wanna say like 13-ish, which is like yeah. perfect time for me to watch that. Um, and I just, I loved how she was so confident even though she was such a stupid dum dumb. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And so, um, yeah, like that character just really, it made me, made me wanna do, wild zany physical comedy but as a woman um because like up until that point i really didn't have many other female uh influences that i could draw on that were that zany and that level of like jim carrey kind of wild um so yeah so she had a she had a massive impact on me and i can remember when i was a kid like secretly turning on snl (laughs) all the time um and my parents catching me and being like okay that's no <laughs> go to bed um but actually I watched a lot more Mad TV because it was on half an hour earlier so yeah. I would switch between Mad TV and SNL and then I would just fall asleep because I just I fall asleep it's the thing I do
0: but, well that was my thing always because uh, you know we were church-going people mm-hmm. I so I had to be up early on Sunday so it was always like a race of how late I could stay up during SNL yeah. Like, yeah. am I going to make it to the musical guest? Am I going to make it to update? Like, mm-hmm. am I somehow going to get it past update? That's gonna be crazy. Like,
1: you see all the I, weird sketches they put in the weird time.
0: Right. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, like having the extra half hour of Mad TV because I would watch half hour Mad TV and then switch
1: mm-hmm.
0: right at 1130 to SNL
1: yeah. um, was great. Yeah. So good.
0: Uh, do you what like do you have like a a favorite from you know the Mad TV side?
1: I really didn't, I I really enjoyed Stuart. <laughs> because he had a lot of poop jokes, and he was stupid. Um, yeah.
0: That yeah, Stuart's probably one of my favorite things. Like, yeah, one of my like like enduring memories of his sketches was there was one where he was getting a physical, and he had to go pee in a cup. Oh no! And he comes back with like a popcorn tub and hands it to the doctor and the doctor's like
1: why is it so hot
0: like <laughs> just it, <laughs> like it's so stupid but oh it was God. so funny to me
1: so funny i just yeah i would not stop quoting like it, it tastes like a chocolate fudgesicle <laughs> over and over and my family got so sick of it but it was it was something poop related and it just it killed me i mean poop jokes <laughs> kill me i love them they're so funny
0: <laughs> you had mentioned with this you know with the baby shower sketch that it started as a short film so i'm assuming you always like how like did you always want to get into film hmm. tv yeah. you know visual media like this
1: yeah my parents nicknamed me media child when i was like four
0: that's an awful nickname <laughs>
1: it's, it's it, yeah they still <laughs> that. um do they really yeah my mom does from time to time um Well, I just, you know, I opened up a a menu at Red Lobster and there was this commercial on at the time and and they were like, 30 shrimp is a great choice. And I opened up the menu and I was like, hmm, 30 shrimp is a great choice. And as an infant, my parents thought I had probably watched way too much TV at that point. so
0: (laughs) Well, well, they say, what is it? It's like that weird statistic that like infants know more brands and logos than they do like animals or something.
1: Really? I mean, I would understand that
0: some slightly terrifying fact like that yeah
1: that's wild that's crazy so you knew red lobster yeah yeah, i knew and thus started my filmmaking (laughs) career (laughs) yeah um i don't know if you ever saw the the cartoon home movies
0: sure The yeah
1: It like with the brendan small and um the guy that's in all of the voiceover thing. Bob's Burgers. Why can't yeah. I name
0: it? Um, Lauren, Bruch- Lauren Bruchard? Bruchard?
1: Nope. H. John Benjamin. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, he's the... Yeah, okay. But I think it's... a it's Lauren Bruchard was one of the, the writers or something.
1: Oh, Okay. I wouldn't know that because I haven't watched it in a zillion years, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so I, I watched that in like grade seven or eight or something. And then I just became obsessed with, like, I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a filmmaker because these kids are my age and I can do it too. So I gathered all of my neighborhood friends and I would start just making shorts all the time. They made no sense. They were, (laughs) I often recruited my cat into them and my, (laughs) barbies. um, But yeah, like any, any opportunity I had to make something like a funny filmed something I would do, Um, like any school project, and all my teachers just kind of expected that of me at a certain point, it just yeah it really it snowballed and then I was rejected from all of the film schools. And immediately abandoned all hope. <laughs> for oh, life. no. So, yeah, but you,
0: so even as a kid, like you were doing stuff like family camcorder, you know, yeah. editing in tape already, like so that you didn't necessarily have to cut and do anything later.
1: Oh, that but kind of stuff? Then I did learn to edit. Yeah, on my oh, computer. I mean. Yeah, I um, I I did some in tape, and then I would use my VCR for stuff, and then I would. And then yeah eventually my family was like quite tech savvy like my stepdad had every single type of mac
0: already yeah. whatever
1: um so you know i got past it like hand-me-down kind of computers and then i was able to teach myself how to use editing software to make all these different things like i made a, I made like a 45 minute version of macbeth in high school it was yeah <laughs> times are wild it was also a comedy adaptation
0: (laughs) i mean i really can't say anything though because my senior project here was i i wrote uh i'm gonna call it novella because it definitely wasn't a novel it was was too short but like based on king lear so
1: nice
0: um i mean it's not great and no one's ever gonna see it ever again but (laughs) (laughs) i did it
1: did it yeah (laughs)
0: Yeah, and it's so weird to say it this way, but because I mean, we're not old by any stretch of the imagination. I think you are a little younger than I am, but like, we're of this generation where we had, if we wanted to do this stuff, we had to edit with VCRs and like, yeah, put two of them together. Yeah, and this generation doesn't understand. Oh, I don't like how this is going, but like, <laughs> well, my nephews it's, it's, don't understand yeah. that they can do everything with their iPhone, and we're not. The, the the things about TikToks, like people that are doing TikToks now are like, to think of what how we would have to have done them
1: mm-hmm.
0: 20 years ago.
1: I know. And it's, you know, I get really overwhelmed by, by TikTok and all of their different features and stuff sometimes. Like, and I just go back to like editing in uh, Adobe Premiere because I'm like, I know this, this is much easier for me and it makes a heck of a lot more sense um, because there's, I feel like fewer options. And when, you know, when you know you only have a certain amount of time on your mini DV tape, like make specific choices and you're like, well, I'm going to rewind and I'm going to take this take again because we totally screwed that up. You don't have like endless hard drive space and you have to be, you have to be so particular with it. And then, I mean, just thinking about like recording sound nowadays, even like it's so much cheaper and so much more accessible to record sound. And I don't, if no one should have to listen to the things (laughs) they used to film. They were like so poorly recorded. The audio was so bad.
0: Yeah, like I just remember like in my time at Christian film school, we were on mini TV and you know we we were using final cut pro and like external hard drives for the first time ever mm-hmm. and we had to like be very specific about what we use and like how we compress things because we only had so much space yeah on mini db tapes and external hard drives like and then where I, it,
1: sacrifice I, I, quality and stuff and it's like Ugh, yeah what do you do like,
0: i said to my nephew like my laptop in college is a th- sixth of what my phone is now like memory wise and everything like it's craziness
1: so crazy so crazy
0: so you always wanted to be a film kid you always wanted to do get into film school and and, but you said you didn't get into film school so you stopped
1: i stopped cold turkeys just stopped everything went to university for cinema studies which was far too academic for my adhd brain failed out twice went to baking and pastry arts management school then i went into hospitality and then i went into event management (laughs) um and all of these these career choices were inspired by different movies i had been (laughs) (laughs) like sure stranger than fiction i'll go be a baker now um the I don't remember which one it was, but it was a Jay Baruchel movie and there was a woman and Kristen Ritter was in it. And, uh, Kristen. Out of my Ritter,
0: league. She's out of my league.
1: Yeah. That one. And yeah, she has webbed feet or whatever.
0: Oh, that, yeah. Cause that's, that's they, what makes someone Alice Eve oh, awful.
1: Yeah. Whoa. Um, but they had an event planning business and I was like, well, I'll be an event planner then. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? Or oh, then yeah, Mila Kunis and forgetting Sarah Marshall worked at a, um, at a hotel. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go work at a hotel. These are all like terrible, terrible ideas. Because like, in reality, I just wanted to be an actor, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> entertain people. And so I was just like, really sad and like sitting behind computers for a good 10 years until I met my fiance. And then he he's a filmmaker as well. And he was like, we should make stuff. And the mini DV tapes came out again. So
0: um, so you meet your fiance, and that's what gets you back into Going yeah. behind the camera and doing stuff,
1: yeah, and getting in front of the camera and like, yeah, getting getting comfortable with it again, and like looking at all of my old stuff and being like, oh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I mean it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like there there was some aptitude there for filmmaking, like the way I composed shots and stuff that like I mean, I just, you know, I taught myself and um had no like the only thing I could really study prior to that was just like, watching movies and and watching endless movies so um so yeah so when we got together um he borrowed a a mini dv camera from his friend and it's still it's wild to think that like this was uh 12 years ago how long have we been together i i I don't know 11 or 12 years or something only that long ago we were still using mini dv cameras and because our camera phones were not good enough at that point so yeah so we started (laughs) We made a bunch of really wild shorts together. Um, he wrote them all, so unfortunately, I couldn't bring one of those to read as my first sketch because he he was the writer at that point. I was not confident enough. And then um, I helped him finish his film "Teddy Bomb" uh, that he started with his his girlfriend before me. So she stars in it, but I do her voice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Ex girlfriends visibly in it but yeah. you're the voice yeah that's that's so weird
1: it's super right, <laughs> it's super weird but i was like i i got to tell you i was like so excited that i was like oh i'm finally doing the thing i was always yeah. doing that i was like i don't care if it's some other woman that he used to be with he's not with her anymore cuz we're working on this full time together i know where he is <laughs> there's no question there and she like just did not want to be part of it at all um but she did do a really good job in the film um so yeah, so we we finished that up, and we took it to a couple of festivals. And then we got started on his next film called Impossible Horror. So I was a producer on that. And I wrote all the, the music for it. Um, and I did like a tiny little bit of acting, but it was mostly producing. And uh, we took it to um, the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. They have a scary movies film festival, like a, a horror film. Festival. Like here in the States? Yeah, in New York, yeah. Okay. And uh, so we were on this New York trip and I went out on my own. I've never been walking around by myself in New York, but I walk around in Toronto all the time by myself. So I'm like, I'm sure I'll be fine. It was a Sunday morning, nothing was going, it was like dead, it was wild. And um, and I found myself at um, 30 Rockefeller Plaza. I had no idea how I got there. I just sort of like appeared there and I looked up like I was drinking my coffee, taking the last kind of swig of my coffee and looked up and realized where I was standing. And I was like, oh, shit. And I had been wandering around thinking like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? I finished this film. I don't know. Like, I don't know. what. What is my next step? And then I realized, oh, right. Comedy. I should go do that. <laughs> and that's when I like immediately called, um, Second city in Toronto and I was like, sign me up for one writing class, please. And that's And they're like,
0: No, you have to take these other classes first.
1: No, they signed me up, but (laughs) (laughs) but their online system wasn't as nice as the actual representatives. So (laughs) there were there were steps, but yeah.
0: So you went to so you start going to Second City in Toronto, like you're doing a writing class, you're not necessarily going for improv right away?
1: No. But I was so scared in my writing class that I signed up for improv for the next term immediately. So then I started doing both of them together at the same time.
0: Did the sketch come from that writing
1: class or? Yeah. That was when I actually first started writing full sketches.
0: Okay. All right. So let's talk about Second City for a bit. Because, I mean, as much as I think a lot of these, like, the comedy institutions that we have in different cities between Second City Uh, UCB groundlings, all those things like there's a little bit of a cult feel to them,
1: yeah. But
0: like at the same time, I feel like they are very useful, yeah, with giving structure and stuff like people that need deadlines and Mm -hmm. just meeting different people, like the like how good that is to just be like, oh, here's 12 new people that I've never met before that all like comedy as much as I do,
1: Mm -hmm. cool, yeah. Um, It's so, so true. what's your
0: experience about with Second City?
1: Well, it's I would say it's probably the same as what I've heard uh from other people in other institutions. Everybody is like always mad at it, but is always going back to do shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Like we're always just like, why did Second City make this choice this time? And then there's always new owners, and it's like it's all it's all up in the air. And um so so, but my experience going there initially was like. It was it was really this like this catalyst of magic for me, because I was meeting all of these really amazing people. Not all of the teachers were great. In fact, some of them made me question whether I should be there or not. Mm-hmm. And they were bad teachers. And then I learned that after because I was like, wait a second, I really enjoy this with this teacher. So it's actually not me. It's the teacher. Um, so, you know, like there's always going to be that kind of stuff. but. But like yeah like that's where I met the chicks from big chick energy, I met Mm -hmm. Julia in my writing class I met Joanne in my first uh, level a improv class and immediately I was like oh she's gonna be a star. Um, And I was like I I started writing something with her in mind um, to be the star of this little mini web series we did called date Kate. and then met Alicia. I can't remember which level, I think it was the second or third one. And then I I was like, oh, she's gonna be a star. And then I cast her in another little web series called Venture Shark. And then we met Sam much later on after we'd filmed all of that stuff, but Sam's gonna be a star, <laughs> everyone's a star, Julia's a star. Um, yeah, it was like, it was so nice. And all of the people that were in our improv class together, um, we started this troupe called Weird Town, um, but it was, I think it was a sort of an amalgamation of people who just wanted to have a good time. Um, but Alicia and Joanne and Sam and I got into the conservatory program at Second City. Um, and we we started sort of feeling this pull away from this weird town troupe as amazing as all of the people were, they, they wanted to do it for fun and it started feeling like we wanted to take it really seriously, or at least I did. And I was like, I know that these people for sure will be interested in kind of like pursuing this a little bit more seriously. And I'm like, I'm going to bring her in and see if this will work. Cause Mm -hmm. I, I, tend to have a talent sometimes for bringing together really cool people to make really cool things happen. Um, they don't usually last as long as this one did. And I was just like really excited because it, you know, we were already all kind of together. I was just like, I'm going to put everyone in a Facebook chat. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> um, and then yeah, like five years later, almost, I guess, or so 28, no, 2020, 2021, 20, like four years later, Roughly, yeah. I don't know. How many lifetimes has it been?
0: I was going to say four. Four sounds decent because, like, you know, the pandemic is going to be like five years. Yeah. Of nothingness anyway. So
1: I just I don't even know time anymore, but approximately a zillion years have passed. And so <laughs> now we have this like really awesome, like super strong troop happening. It's like a dream come true. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> but before we like really dive into big chick energy, um you'd mentioned two like uh digital series that you had done Mm -hmm. with date kate and venture shark yeah tell me about those
1: okay so date kate is about a woman who wants to find love it's very straightforward um and i knew joanne loved to sing like she's she trains in that a lot um so i wrote it for her To have a musical number for the first episode so each episode just follows her on different dates until she finally meets someone that she loves um and then venture shark was sort of my uh, fuck you to the last job i was in (laughs) Because, (laughs) because it was all about these like venture bros who um okay Like investors and yada 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 so uh, I made alicia be uh, the main investor of uh, an investment firm and um, she was up against this guy Cody King King coders, and it was uh, it I don't understand what my POV was when I watch it back, like it just, I don't know. I think it was just me trying to get all of that out of my system so I could move forward and just like make fun of it a little bit. Um, But like, I tried to make it, I tried to make it at least enjoyable for whoever else was watching who wasn't me that was just trying to like have this catharsis. The most successful episode was episode number two when um, Alicia's character, has to go pee really bad and ended up on a website for people who have a pee fetish and so now um all of them have watched and it's got so many views as a result of that none of the other ones have i was gonna
0: say is there a weird spike like episode one episode two is all the way up here and then three four like it goes right back down like that's so weird it's like
1: so weird i was like how do how do should we take it down and they were like no it's fine now we have views
0: <laughs> that's so bizarre <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to go and look it up to see how many views like goes from like one to the other but i'll do that later
1: yeah it's like <laughs> it's in the several thousands of something it's like there's hundreds and then there's thousands so it's but yeah th-
0: that's such a weird thing to me of like you know i don't want to yuck someone's yum you know that kind of thing but like searching out some finding something that has nothing to do with like what you're intending to use it for yeah just just happens to be like just random episode of this comedy series (laughs) made in toronto (laughs) from friends like
1: and it's so crazy because i'm like i'm thinking about like you know people like find it on a playlist on youtube or something and they're like yeah this is gonna be great for you know whatever makes them happy and then and then they hear me going like singing singing this like I gotta go pee song in the <laughs> background. And I'm like, I feel like I've probably killed whatever mood they were in entirely. I like I don't know if it should be on the playlist because I it just I feel like it's it's a mood killer for that.
0: <laughs> Harnaby hopes that you killed the mood. I'm not gonna lie. Like
1: oh, uh, but they love their mood. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I just to each their own um i'm so glad we have so many views
0: (laughs) but please watch the other episodes it's
1: (laughs) yeah that too
0: (laughs) all right so let's talk about big chick energy as Mm. you all kind of got together through uh the force of different se conservatory classes and everything just meeting the people in school so what was it like to whittled down from other from weird town basically Hmm. to become this more serious compact five some
1: yeah i feel like like for me it was like such a natural fit for all of us to be working together um i think i think primarily because the four of us got into the conservatory program um julia never applied for it. it wasn't really her her deal but um i think because we were yeah just starting to feel more serious about comedy, generally, it felt like a really good fit. And because we had done other projects together before, like with the 8K Venture Shark, um, uh, Joanne and Alicia were, like, just really naturally, like, awesome people to get going with. Uh, we didn't know Sam as well, but we had started to get to know her and, and realize, like, she's gonna bring, she's going to bring a lot more, I feel like grounded sort of stuff. She always has much more grounded, uh, sketches, uh, than the rest of us. For some reason, we're all like insane alien and w- <laughs> wild shit. Um, but Sam really m- m- keeps us grounded in a really solid way so that we don't go too far out. Um, yeah. and we're still, I feel like <laughs> at least somewhat, uh, relatable. Um, and then uh, Julia and I had written this amazing song together in, in our writing class called Spanx and it's a rap about Spanx and there is definitely a poop joke in it and I love it. Um, so and that was a big project and we just before the pandemic ha- produced a music video for it as well so we got that one in right under the wire um, and released it as the pandemic was happening. So yeah, knowing that we had all of these projects under our belts, uh it was I felt like it was just a really natural grouping of people.
0: How would you describe the the comedy style of Big Chick Energy?
1: Wild. <laughs> I wish I had I wish I had better words to describe it. It's like there's definitely a feminine POV through every sketch. I mean you'd assume it. that with Yeah. Yeah. You know. With a bunch of ladies, with a yeah. bunch of chicks, we call ourselves the chicks, so it's okay. Um, It's, there's aliens. <laughs> 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 we like, we spend a really long time, honestly, during the pandemic, because we would have these weekly calls where we would try to figure out, like, okay, well, what are we gonna do next? Are we gonna write? Are we gonna like do social media? Are we gonna try to film zoom things zoom sketches together like what are we going to do and then like who are we really who is our target audience what is our voice what is what is it that we want to put out in the world it was like we spent such a long time trying to figure this out and make it be like authentic and truthful to all of us and we we did a show not too long ago and and watched it back and i think it was joanne that said like wow we had a lot of energy up there we had a lot of big chick energy wow we were searching for this meaning the whole time and it was all there in the name
0: (laughs) well i think it's interesting because um knowing what little i know about big chick energy y'all basically done a show Mm -hmm. and then there's what 18 months of nothing yeah so hearing it from your side of like we have these 18 months to figure out who we are and who we want to be with occasionally releasing, you know, some digital content of, you know, a zoom sketch or a podcast or whatever it is. You, you had like this long time of soul searching as a team, basically. Hmm. That's wild to me.
1: It is. You know, what is extra wild about it is that like, we were all still relatively new friends and we were, Trying to navigate a new friend group together and make something that we were all passionate about, um, and like, it's I think the 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 magic of it for me is that like we made it through that and yeah. came out the other end so much stronger. Like we had we had dips where I honestly felt like, oh okay, well this is the end of Big Chick energy. I, I guess it's over now. But then everyone kind of just showed back up again. And I was like, oh, okay, we're still going. Okay, great, awesome. <laughs> um, good. Cause I really didn't want to lose that. Like these these women mean so much to me. I just, I don't even know how to put into words what they mean to me and like, and what this troop means to me. And yeah, the the soul searching for the troop happened at a weird time when everyone on planet earth seemed to be soul searching, but yet we had this extra layer of it and yeah, um, yeah. Now I've got more soul searching to do because we started talking about this. Like, wow. <laughs> we really did. We oh, there's so much there.
0: How has it felt for Big Chick Energy now that, you know, theaters and venues are open and you actually can go out and like
1: it feels have
0: big chick energy on stage now.
1: It feels like I I have been constipated for five years and it's finally coming out. <laughs> but it's so satisfying i like i feel so much relief to finally be on stage with everyone and all of us together because like we would have little shows like pockets of sets here and there over the last couple of years where we're permissible um but not all of us could be on stage together at the same time like yeah. our first show it was just four of us our second show alicia got covid so we couldn't it was four of us again, our third show, just three of us. And then the next show, two of us. And it was like, oh no, we're dwindling in numbers. But, but it kind of ramped back up again. And finally in December, we had our very first show with all five of us on the stage, all performing. And it was like electric. It was electric. It was so nice.
0: (laughs) We're, I mean, and I don't know if you were part of every one of those shows with, you know, fewer people than you know the five yeah but like did they feel still like big chick energy shows well,
1: I mean, with, like really
0: cast, the, with like the smaller cast with like i'm assuming even the sketches would be smaller because mm-hmm. in your trunk you have you know the full five people sketch and, or a couple like ones or twos so other people get into like different costumes or whatever like those kind of things like did they feel different
1: i mean a lot a lot of the material that we were putting up was all brand new like i don't know if we really reused much material during that time cuz honestly like all of those shows were really meant to be for testing new material and yeah. we we were taking every opportunity we had so there were, there was still a lot of figuring out like does this feel like a big chick energy sketch even um how do we feel about it looking back and I think like they're all they're also we just spent actually like a couple of days ago watching all of our shows back so that we could see what we want to put into sketch fest and what we want to punch up and all of that stuff like looking back on all of that material it's kind of it's it's mind blowing like there's still a through line I think of the the female POV like the uh, feminine POV I should say. Um, at, and there's still, like, there's a lot of, like, energetic stuff there, but maybe not as energetic as we would have done now, Yeah, if that makes sense. Because we were just, like, trying to find our footing, you know? We were still little babies. We were little chickies trying to figure out what the heck to do. <laughs>
0: yeah, still baby writers figuring yeah. out. Like, And it's always good to, I mean, to fail sometimes and figure out, oh, okay, this doesn't work this way. Let's try it this way instead.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly
0: how has it been for you because i get a sense that you have like a like a filmic mind at times like where you're trying to like i mean have you done these short film like everything like it's craziness to me but like how has it been for you to write for the stage versus writing you know for film
1: yeah that was that was a big transition for me when i first started writing for the stage um because you can see like at the top of this, this sketch that we read, it starts with interior day. I do
0: that too. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to get out of that mindset because when I'm, when I'm writing things, I tend to think about them in, in shots. Like how will I film this? How will yeah. I compose this frame? How will I, you know, ask this actor to act? Um, But when when we're writing for stage and it's so interesting with big chick energy, because I don't know if this happens with a lot of other troops, because I like we just we just haven't been able to talk to other troops enough to know this yet. But um, the way that the way that we operate so far is such a collaborative thing where that was like previously I was like, I'm in charge of all of it, and I really had to learn to let go of being in charge of a lot of things. and, and let other people's ideas kind of flow through. And I think that's a really interesting thing about sketch and like with an improv background that like everybody wants to be part of the overall picture. And I really, I had to personally let go of being like an iron fist of like, uh, this is my vision. This is how I want to see it. And it's not going to be any other way. And so, so now when I write for, for the stage, um, I try to, I try to be clear in like what the stage directions are versus like giving people like not a lot of hints about what to expect, because I would tell them that on a set sort of, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just a a writing thing I needed to learn anyway, so that people could practice their lines. I don't know.
0: lots of (laughs) Things to
1: think about, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a transition for me to, to switch that up.
0: And I, I think you mentioned a really interesting idea of like, that duality that sketch comedy has where it's it is a team sport Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: there's very much that individual component like this this is my sketch for us Mm -hmm. how and i i'll admit i'm not good at like this is my sketch for us please make it better Mm -hmm. like i'm not good at like allowing that to happen like
1: here's what we've kind of learned in developing our process together um we don't particularly bring full sketches to the table anymore we our process has started to become like only premises and hanging out and and that's interesting okay yeah um and so like we'll have like a wine night or something and then laugh at something dumb and then write that down so that we can come back to it later and then we'll bring maybe like you know, beat out what a uh, premise could be like a couple of beats for it and say like, uh, you know, I, I got kind of stuck at this part. Does anyone have any ideas and then we will pile on about 8 million ideas for whoever's working on that particular sketch. And they'll kind of take that and go back and start writing and then we'll bring drafts and then we add more punch up options so it's sort of like improv in a way that it's like, there's this game called should have said so. um you're you're in the middle of a scene and you say wow I wish I had eaten all of that cherry pie and someone says should have said you say wow I wish I had eaten all of that bubble gum and should have said wow I wish I had eaten all of that. uh, rock Um, so so having it's like having five brains, instead of just one so that you're not writing in a vacuum and and it's super collaborative and it doesn't feel like you're losing your vision, I think. I think the chicks do a really good job of supporting each other's visions too, right? Like we don't want each other to lose out. Like we always go back to like, what was your original point of view for this sketch? What was it originally that you were trying to accomplish with this sketch? Like, let's not get too far away from it, but offering lots of different suggestions and some that are like complete total departures from the original premise can be so helpful because it helps you to say like, oh yeah, that it, I really don't want it to be that. I do want it to be this. That makes it more clear for me now. And it's like this sort of sculpting, kind of like peeling back of the clay of what the sketch is going to become. Um, and I just, I mean, I love the process because it's it's become so, um, it's so much more organic than sitting in front of a screen and like tearing your hair out. Like, what, what is a joke? <laughs>
0: you know? One of my original sketch team's downfalls was like, here is my sketch I am presenting to you it is finished Mm -hmm. let us do it like we weren't very great with the whole pitching and rewriting and doing it a second time so Mm -hmm. that idea of how how you all collaborate like that sounds really interesting to me
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, because I've never done it that way
1: it just sort of happened naturally because we stopped like we were like we have no premises let's drink wine (laughs) yeah you know just hanging out with your troop and and doing some sort of bonding exercise together take a little road trip or something and just like experience something not related to your art for a little while to give you some inspiration and it just like shows up
0: (laughs) yeah and as you hang out together you can be like hey remember that weird person we saw at that rest stop
1: exactly two weeks ago yeah
0: come on we have something like
1: we literally wrote a sketch like that. We like we rented a, a fire pit in during the pandemic when we had to still be like fully six feet yeah. apart and everything. Um so we were out in the open down by Lake Ontario and um and this woman came by and wouldn't stop asking us about our fire pit. So we wrote and filmed a sketch about her in <laughs> in that moment during
0: immediately that day, after she walked away
1: immediately after we did it was, it was like yeah but like we never would have come up with that had we not gone out to do you know fun bonding fun time
0: as we we're you know emailing back and forth in your signature in your email is a plug for an album so let's talk about your album
1: yeah another pandemic project
0: which i feel okay i mean pandemic music is Great, because it makes sense to me. Like yeah, let's build a home studio, let's use the insurance I have, let's do music.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so tell me about the album. Yeah, so it started with um with Julia and I writing Spanx. Way back when, Um, and I have like I've composed music like I said before for for films so for impossible horror. Um, So I was you know pretty well versed in doing all of that, and I was like I kind of want to write like like a pop album something like i'm really influenced by the lonely island and. When I listen to their music it like it amps me up and it makes me feel like so good, like I can go take on the world and do anything, so I was like, how can I write a bunch of music that. Amps people up, but also makes them laugh and not take themselves seriously. Like, you know, before a job interview or before a big presentation or something. So that started to be like the the driving reason behind writing this album. I had a bunch of sort of disparate ideas and then they all kind of came together when I finally had this realization like, oh, uh, this is this is what it's all about. It's about just helping people to feel good. Um, So so i wrote a bunch of random things for a little while and didn't like make it an absolute mission until the end of 2021 and um and i took some older stuff like i had started this song called neglected winter coat right before the pandemic as well and it's like it turned (laughs) um my fiance justin calls it my like whatever that beach boys guy brian wilson yeah he like he wouldn't stop working on this one particular song so apparently that's what i was because i would work for hours and hours on this song but if you listen to it it's like there are so many harmonies and like so many layers to this song about being a neglected winter coat um And I I love it so much. And I love it too, because all of the chicks sing on it and they sound so good. So yeah. So the rest of the album is like, it's a lot of pop songs. Um, There's one called pizza party and it is about how nobody shows up to my pizza party. (laughs) It's very sad. (laughs) There's one about plants, about how plants make my life better. And I'm going to just dedicate my entire life to plants now. Um, Yeah. Lots of stuff. It's like. It was super fun, super fun to write, very challenging. Um, and now I'm starting to perform it. So I've got a show on Friday, which is two days from when we're recording. And um, I'm a little nervous because I've only really performed some of these songs like once before last summer. Um, but now now we're getting back into shows and I'm like, oh, finally I get to perform. But I'm like, it's just me, it's all me by myself. And that is really scary. No one yeah, else Yeah, There's a
0: difference when, Emily Milling is on the sign versus big mm. chick energy, like, you know, at worst, or maybe at best, depending on how you feel about it is like, there's five of us on stage, and if something goes wrong, I can hide behind the other four, I can like, yeah. those other four might be able to pick me up, you know, that kind of thing, where it's just you and a musical instrument. It's just you and a musical yeah. instrument, the musical instrument doesn't care about your feelings.
1: Well, and you know, it would be better if it was me in a musical instrument, but it's me in a backing track. Which is <laughs> even worse because it's like, I'm just they don't
0: kill. care at all.
1: Yeah, fuck you. We're <laughs> going to keep playing. <laughs> I'm like, OK, I don't know the lyrics. Where are we? <laughs> um but yeah i think like for that kind of stuff you just kind of have to practice um messing up and and carrying on and it's happened before it's fine it's like life life goes on like uh like i i started taking piano when i was a kid like when i was two or something and doing recitals and stuff and like um you just have to you just have to know that the audience has no idea where you're making a mistake so like a part of my song could be me going bleh 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 (laughs) Yeah, you, you can exactly. get your
0: way through this verse.
1: Exactly. <laughs> they don't need context. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how does it feel to be on stage? But you said you've only done it like once or twice during the summer. And
1: oh my god! Mm. So this this show that I did over the summer, it was like 40 degrees. I don't know what that is in American temperatures. I mean, 40
0: it... feels really high if you're talking about Celsius.
1: Yes, it was it was insanely hot and I was like hurling myself around a stage. I thank God had been doing a lot of cardio. So I was like ready for it, but, um, everyone in the audience was like dripping in sweat just from sitting there. And they were all kind of glaring at me when I came out, cause it was a bunch of, um, a friend of ours, uh, his friends and family, and they're not really comedy people so they just kind of stare at you but they come to all of our shows It's weird um so they just they were they were glaring at me like how dare you be on this stage and so i was like okay i've got two choices right now one i could just you know half-ass this and shit the bed or two i can make this the best freaking damn night that these people have (laughs) ever had in this balls hot weather um, and so, I, yeah, I made it my mission. I like looked people in the eye and like sang into their faces, like not well, six feet away, but like <laughs> uh, safely sang into their faces and, um, and by the end of it, even the crankiest of old cranky men in the back was like smiling and was so happy, maybe because I ripped off a bunch of my clothes. It could have been for that reason too, but hey, why not? I don't know. He was happy. I was glad he <laughs> smiled finally.
0: I mean. I looked it up it's 104 degrees that's too hot for so hot. a lot of things like
1: we all had heat stroke it was like bad
0: i probably would have been ripping off my clothes too yeah uh, i always ask when i talk to the canadians and i've talked to a bunch of canadians is there a piece of canadian pop culture that you would recommend to an american something for us to hunt down
1: honestly um i would say i'm just gonna plug my fiance i would say check out Justin blue <laughs> his film teddy bomb is very, very funny. Impossible Horror is a little bit more serious, but, um, yeah, check out Justin's stuff. He's, he's like, he's a magnificent human. Um, and he's, he makes me laugh and <laughs> we have a YouTube channel called Pineapple Skeleton where, where you would find a bunch of his stuff on there too, if you want to laugh. So, um, I'm just, yeah, i plugging me and my fiance, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know what else. Yeah. If, if, if we're, we're not looking at the, the, big stuff going on i can't um, he would be the one to ask too because he is an encyclopedia of film so there you go justin DeClue. clue
0: <laughs> that's fair that's fine uh, um and you know as we wrap up same two questions i ask everybody uh, a little deep a little more um thoughtful at the end you had gone through the the you know the second city conservatory program Which is a ton of comedy education so what's something that you would tell a new sketch writer like what's a piece of advice that you would give to someone getting started
1: the stakes are so low (laughs) that was advice an improv teacher gave me um but the stakes are so low just try whatever ideas you have they will suck but that's okay because the next ones will be better and it doesn't have to be perfect
0: yeah, uh, I used to tell, like, people before shows, I'm like, Lauren Michaels isn't here. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get a job from this.
1: Yeah, and if he is, you're still not going to get a job from this. Like,
0: So, like, you know, don't worry so much. Yeah. Let's have fun. Let's hmm. let's enjoy this. Yes. Let's not you know, freak out that something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Something's going to go wrong.
1: <laughs> and it'll be great. And we'll be like, wow, guess...
0: Yeah, just roll with it.
1: That again, that's fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then finally, I mean, you kind of said it already with how you hopscotch from job to job based on what movie you had seen that week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> to
0: eventually deciding, no, I want to I want to perform. I want to do comedy and all this stuff. Let's dive into that. Why is it comedy? Why has comedy well, it's taken hold of your life now?
1: It's, it's just a pure joy i get from seeing someone else smile and laugh and knowing that i brighten their day like i just i don't think there's anything more pure than that like like you know i could spend hours and hours scrolling through tiktok and it's the same thing of like just just watching babies giggle um i think it's just there's something so magical about and so i think something really honorable is that the word i'm looking for about like wanting to pursue making other people's lives better through through laughter and joy and just like you know i don't i don't know how else to describe it it's it's a feeling it's it's an emotion it's like a tidal wave of of euphoric bliss for me to make people laugh
0: yeah i mean it i mean I don't want to put it as like, you know, as high as like an honor, but actually it totally is like makes you know to make someone else's day better is should be everyone's goal mm. in their day-to-day life. Like Yeah. Like if if you're going through life trying to, you know, be the dick to everyone.
1: And what I mean, are like, you? I've had that phase in my life like, because I like hated myself, but you know eventually hopefully we get over those feelings and then once you do you can kind of realize like oh i i can be the reason someone smiles today instead of like ha, i was the reason someone cried today which like for real used to be me it's very sad sad <laughs> times but uh, well i mean sometimes
0: some know. sometimes people do deserve, deserve that like
1: yeah sometimes <laughs> sometimes
0: <laughs> thanks emily
1: thank you so much
0: Emily and the rest of Big Chick Energy will be performing at the Sunday Funnies at the Rivoli on Sunday, February 26th at 7 p.m. Tickets for that show are available on Eventbrite. Big Chick Energy will be performing two shows at Toronto Sketchfest. First on Thursday, March 9th with Chelsea Larkin at 8 p.m. And Friday, March 10th with Acuna Acuna at 7 p.m. Both of those shows are at the BMO Incubator at Theatre Center. On April 14th, they'll be heading to Hamilton, Ontario at the Staircase Comedy Cabaret. For more information on that, go to BigChickEnergySketch.com. You can follow them on Instagram at BigChickEnergySketch. Facebook is also BigChickEnergySketch. And they have a YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash BigChickEnergySketch. Emily's album, Take Your Life More Seriously, is available on all the streaming platforms. Visit emilymilling.com and follow Emily on Instagram at emily.milling. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at Nono band dot bandcamp.com like my first sketch on facebook follow the show on twitter rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts
1: this is josh hyam thanks for listening go see some comedy